Welcome to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Baran, a ministry of Worship Generation Church in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, please visit us at www.worshipgeneration.com. Now let's join Pastor Joey as we study through the Bible. Wives and children are gone. I've lost my job and my identity. I've lost my home. Where can we possibly go from here? Lord, what is next? The next thing is bring the ephod. And ask me before the men, what's next? So the ephod comes out. What's next? And the Lord says, okay. David says, he inquires of the Lord, what is the next thing? And the Lord says, the next thing is go get them and you won't lose anything. That's it. You know, you like it when the Lord speaks a good word to you, like when you when he puts something on your heart, it gives you a word from the, the scriptures, it's in a K-wave or a song, and you just know it's the Lord confirming to you. That's a good thing. At the lowest point of his life, well, of course, God said to Joshua, I will never leave you nor forsake you. It's reaffirmed in the New Testament book of Hebrews, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Jesus said on the mount before he ascended, Lo, I'm with you always, even till the end of the age. There's nothing that we face that we face alone without the Lord in the human experience when you belong to Christ. And even if you don't, he still faces it with you because he knows you're there and he knows what's going on. Where can I go from your spirit? If I go up here, you're there. If I go down to the depths, you're there. If I go to the east to the west, you're there. That's what David wrote in Psalm 139. You're there. So let's invite him to be here. Let's inquire of him. What's the next thing in this crisis moment? The next thing is go overtake him. The next thing is to gather your thoughts Gather your men. You are going to war. You are going to combat, but not against my people, but for my people. Now go. That's the next thing. This is your lane. This is your battle. Saddle up and attack. That's what it is. You can't, you know, so often we just want to call the extended timeout. We really do. And I've already said this, but we want an extended timeout. Like, in the NBA basketball, they get like a little, you get the 20-minute timeout, you get the, the, the long, the full timeout, the TV timeout. Like sometimes like, can we just have like a two-hour timeout? Like a baseball rain delay maybe. Like, you know, where it rains for an hour and they roll out the tarp. But can we just have a longer timeout? Life keeps happening 24 hours a day, seven days a week, four weeks a month, 12 months a year. In the human experience, our timeouts are very short. We have to pull it together. We have to slow things down, pull it together, and we got to get back at it. There are seasons where we need to be refreshed. We need to recover from things. I spoke with someone even this week who's just having a hard time working through things, and they've been hurt by some things that went on. And they, they literally said that they feel toxic. I'm like, okay, I understand that. I mean, I get it. I spoke to Hector Mora, a different conversation this week down there in Texas, who was pastoring the church in Long Beach two years ago before the mandates came down. They couldn't meet indoors. They couldn't meet outdoors. They couldn't meet. And he tried and he tried, and that, that was it. They were over. He, they left. They moved to Texas. And he said, and, you know, his wife Carol's had health issues, and they've been down there almost two years, a year and three-fourths. He's got a great job, and they're very involved. He teaches children's ministry at the Calvary Chapel in Fort Worth. But he said to me, you know, Joey, we've just, 
we gave so much to the ministry, we've needed a season just to really kind of re- regroup and refresh. Yeah, because they were part of the church plant with Tim Chaddock at Reality LA when it started. He drove the trailer every Sunday to Los Angeles for the first two years of Reality LA when that church was planted. Every Sunday, him and his wife, the trailer with all the supplies. And then they landed here and got trained for a year or two of ministry. Then we planted the church. And some of you, the Frisbees, you were committed to a whole year to help them. Many of you attended that church in Long Beach. And they gave their hearts. They gave bottled water to skate parks. They gave stuff to the homeless people. They gave themselves fully to the people of Los Angeles County. And then they were told for a half a year, you can't meet anywhere. And it broke them. And like so many people, they left the state. Add them to the list of tens of thousands who did. And Hector said, you know, Joe, we just needed a season to refresh. So we get it. But then there comes a point. Well, what's next, Hector? Because you're a lead pastor. I want to know what you're, what's next. A year and three-fourths? Okay, I want to know what's next. Can we redeem the 501c3 for Texas? I've been looking at that. Good, you should be looking into it. Because you're the lead pastor. What's next? You see... You still have to function because he's bought a home. He's worked a job, regular job, selling loans. He's living, but in the ministry calling, he's like, you know, I'm catching my breath. So, you know, we want to call a longer timeout than we get, but it just, you just don't get those long timeouts. But you do get seasons of refreshing. And talking with Hector is a good example. And talking to someone else saying, I really need a season and I need this and that. I'm like, you may not be able to get it. I sent him a text late last night saying, listen, it's kind of like the message last week. This isn't a time to step down. This is a time to rise up. And don't let people dumb you down. You've already been devalued. You need to understand your value and get on with the plan and get after it. And I got the text this morning. Thanks. So David's just got to do it. I don't feel like going to war. I don't feel like getting back on these horses and riding again. Uh, can't you just release our, our, our family and our goods? And No, you've got to fight for it. Like Paul said, you've got to fight the good fight. And some things are worth fighting for, and some things are not your battle. And we already saw that in the first point. You got to go get it. Go get it. Go get your wives. Go get your kids. Go get your goods. They took it from you. Go get it. So they find the guy. They find the Egyptian that was abandoned by the Amalekites in the desert, because they'll abandon you if you're sick. They'll throw you to the wayside. That's how Amalekites are. And they went and, went and did it. So in chapter 16 of the same chapter, excuse me, in chapter 30, verse 16, they, they pursue the Amalekites. And eventually, they caught him. And we read this in verse 16. And when he had brought the Egyptian down, uh, when the Egyptian had brought David to the place to show him where the Amalekites were, uh, they were spread out. The Amalekites were all over the land, eating and drinking and dancing because of all the great spoil which they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from the land of Judah. Then David attacked them from twilight until evening of the next day. It was a 24-hour battle. Not a man of them escaped except 400 young men who rode on camels that fled. So David recovered all the Amalekites had taken, had carried away, and David rescued his two wives, and nothing of theirs was lacking, either small or great, sons or daughters, spoil or anything which had been taken from them. David recovered it all. Then David took all the flocks and herds that they had, had driven before those other livestock and said, this is David's spoil. So in the battle, they recoup, recover everything, recoup everything, and then God gives them a bonus. Not only recoup what was theirs, they get other goods that the... the that the Amalekites took from other people and they got a return investment on their investment that was taken from them. God is so good. You know, those, those guys, the Sabines and all those guys in the book of Job, they took everything from Job 
And yet, what do we read in the end of the book of Job? God restored double fold what he lost. Now, it doesn't always go that way in time, but it certainly will in eternity. Whatever anyone takes from you in time, it could be doubled up or quadrupled up in time. But even if it's not, just know this. That's just more glory in eternity. That's more equity, long-term dividend returns with Christ Jesus for all eternity in eternity. The man or woman that can truly let those things go, it's just more glory in the next dimension. It'll test your faith in this one, but it is more glory in the next dimension because Jesus said so. Having lost homes and all these things for his namesake, he'll restore in this life and how much more in the life to come. That's what he said. So I'm just quoting the clear print on the contract as a disciple of Jesus Christ with the king. He says he'll restore it. It's never about the money. It's about the heart. And it's about compassion, love, and forgiveness. Like we said with Saul, even though we have Saul's spear in our hand, we can never use the the spear on Saul because then we become Saul. And Jesus didn't die on the cross. Jesus did not die on the cross so we can be Saul. Jesus died on the cross so we could be a woman with a heart after God and a man with a heart after God. Here's your spear, Saul. We can never be you. That's the gospel. That's the disciple of Jesus Christ. But David fought for what he needed to fight for, and God restored it and gave him some. Then, after that, the story picks up. So that's what he had to do in the moment. He strengthened himself in the Lord. He inquired of the Lord, and then he attacked. He did what the Lord said. He did the next thing. Like Monday morning, the most important thing, the week, the most important things, this, that, the details, the, the macro, the most important thing, the, the details, the macro, the next thing, the next thing. That's how you approach it. And he did what was called for him to do in that moment. The moment demanded his head in the game, head on a swivel, and to do what God clearly showed him to do, and to go with the promises of what God called him to do after he inquired, and get it done, do the job. And he did. And God bless him for it. But after that happened, now we have this, verse 21. Now David came to the 200 men who had been weary that could not follow David. We, over, we went over this text, but of his 600 men, 200 were too tired to keep on the pursuit. So 200 stayed behind with the supplies, and 400 were involved in the battle against the Malachites. That's the context. And when they made stay at the brook Besor. So they went out to meet David. This is verse 21. And the people who were with him. And when David came near the people, he greeted them. Then all the wicked and worthless men of those who went with David answered and said, Because they did not go with us, we will not give them any of the spoil that we have recovered, except every man's wife and children, that they may lead them away and depart. <laughs> David's like, My brethren, you shall not do so with what the Lord has given us, who has preserved us and delivered us into our hand the troop that came against us. For who will heed you in this matter? But as his part who goes to the battle, so shall be his part who stays by the supplies. They shall share alike. So it was from that day forward. Oh, there's our magic word, by the way, WG. Forward. Always forward. From that day forward, he made a statute, a statute and an ordinance for Israel to this day. New policies and procedures in the army of David. Verse 26. Now, when David came to Ziglag... He sent some of the spoil to the elders of Judah, to his friends, saying, Here's a present to you from the spoil of the enemies of the Lord. And so he sent these things to Bethel, to Ramoth, Jatir, Aror, Sifmoth, Eshtimoa, Rachel, Jeremothites, the Canaanites, Orma, the Chorsh, to uh, Chorshan, those in Chorshan, Athach, 
Hebron, and to all the places where David himself and his men were accustomed to travel and move about. Here's the future. See, David, God closed the door. That's the past. It's forever the past. You're never going to be a part of the Philistine army again. You're, you're never going to be working for Achish. God has closed that door. This was the present. You did exactly what you're called to do. The next thing. And now in the sowing of the fruit and the rewards of doing the next thing, he's got everything restored to him. Everyone, the hugs, the kisses, the tears, all that, all the supplies. They go back to their, their hometown, what's left of it. They're burned out homes. They have all the wealth they need to rebuild but he's got division with his men. The 400 men who fought combat said, these guys, they didn't do anything. They, they, they just, they're water boys. You know, they're water girls. They didn't do anything. They're juice box mom, you know, whatever. They didn't do anything. We fought the battle. We, we, we did all this. And David's like, what is wrong with you guys? Like, have we come this far? We're all in this together. When we go forward, we need to apply the lessons learned of our past. We don't live in the past, but we need to learn the lessons of the past and make good decisions for going forward. And we also need to sow to our future, with both, which both happen here. But the lesson of the past is don't leave your wives and kids unattended without military support. They left their families vulnerable. They left the women and the children without any support. They left people behind that were not able to defend themselves. And David, in his process of thinking, had already concluded that the 200 men who stayed with the supplies are the example of how you do it. Everything can't go. You can't be all, you need to diversify your wealth. Like it can't all be in the same thing. David had made a tactical error in leaving, especially as a raider, leaving his hometown vulnerable without any military support to defend the wives, the children, and the defenseless, and their assets. So now when they got the assets restored, he says, hey, there's a new policy in our company, in the company of David, future king of Israel. Those who stay home with the supplies, those who work in the warehouse are just as important as those people who sell the product out to the distributors. That's the policy. Those who go in the mission field need to be supported from those who stay behind. And those who send the money are equal in the eternal kingdom to those who actually preach the gospel, like WG. Our finances went to 50-plus countries last year around the world, open and closed. We stayed here. God blessed us. We sowed bountifully hundreds of thousands in the mission field. And when we get to eternity, we'll see it. Just even think about this. Franklin Graham and his shoeboxes. Hello. We put the shoeboxes up here every Christmas. A hundred, 120. They go to all these different countries. We've been doing this for at least 15 years. You stuff those shoeboxes. You buy the stuff for those shoeboxes. People get saved through those shoeboxes. Do you understand in eternity how much fruit we've been racking up in 17 years in this building in Jesus' name around the world? Yeah, and those shoeboxes like... We have a broad portfolio in eternal investments with missions. But I, I feel like the shoebox is like, you know, like that's just, the, that's just the dividend gifts that just keep on giving and giving and giving. Who can even know? When you watch any of the videos from Samaritan's Purse about people who work for Samaritan's Purse who got saved through a shoebox 20 years ago, and you just realize, like, these shoeboxes go where we could never go. And they bring the gospel to people that we could never go to their country and bring it to them. 
Isn't that amazing and beautiful and all the incredible stories? See, the one who stays, who stays with the supplies is just as important as the one who goes out and fights the battle. Now, that's the principle for missions, the church, and giving. That's the principle really for 1 Corinthians 12, where God gives everyone a gift, and we can't, one person with this gift can't say, I'm the nose, and I'm more important than the feet, and the hand's more important than this. Like, we're told in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that God supplies the gifts for the building up of the body to edify itself, and that every gift that he's given in the body of Christ, in other words, every person that's saved through faith in Jesus Christ, is important to the overall body of Christ. It's like being on a high school football team. You might just be special teams and a backup linebacker, but when you line up on kickoff coverage, that's really important. Or if you're like my son, Timmy, who is a backup running back and a backup linebacker at Calvary High, you know, when they run service offense and service defense all week at practice, and you're running the plays of of Mesa High, you're running the plays of Estancia, and you're running the plays of Laguna Beach, and Luke Thompson, those guys are lighting you up, you're preparing them to play those teams on Friday night. So even though during pregame warm-up and you got the uniform on, you're doing all this, and you might get in when it's a blowout in the fourth quarter, we understand that. But still, those close games that we won, you were running their plays in our practice to make our starters better for that game. We all belong. Any good quarterback worth their salt knows you buy rings for your offensive line. Always. Everybody matters. David taught these men a valuable lesson that everybody matters on this team. And from this team of 600 men would come the 30 mighty men of David who recorded for us in two different books of the Bible for their greatness. And their greatness isn't just that they were great warriors to fight giants in a den or take on a lion or anything else like that. Their greatness is they understood the value of people. They went from being in debt, in distress, and discontent to administering millions of dollars worth of wealth in Israel and controlling land the size of Southern California. And David's son, of course, Solomon is the greatest of them all for managing wealth. So from the low tide moment to the incoming tide in David's life, this is where the tide turned. It's peak minus tide when they want to kill him and now the tide's coming in. And we'll never, the future of David in 2 Samuel is so different than 1 Samuel. But there's one more portion of this story that gets our attention. See, people who live paycheck to paycheck, and a lot of us do, and I've done it, we've done it, we know what it's like. There's there's a pattern we have. If you give us more money, we'll spend more money. (laughs) That's... But people that are really smart, they learn to sow their money, save their money. And they look to the future. I saw a clip of Shaquille O'Neal. We all know Shaquille O'Neal. He's the beloved former center of the Lakers, Orlando Magic. Shaquille O'Neal's the best. I watched him do the NBA thing on TNT. He's hysterical with Charles Barkley. I watched a video of him where he takes a piece of paper. He goes, this is what most people do. They get a piece of paper and they consume it. He goes, smart people rip it in half and they set aside half of what they make. He goes, with the really smart people, he takes the other half, he splits that in half. He goes, that's what the really smart people do. See this right here? That's what you live on. This is what you buy your food with. This is what you buy your car with. That's what you live on. See, most people who win the lottery waste the lottery because they don't have an eye to the future. We need an eye to the future, the eternal future, and even when you get older. David took 
increased wealth. Don't miss this. This is the bonus thought here. Can you talk about an eye to the future? He had a new policy and procedure to the future. It said concerning the policy with the 600 men, this is, this is the future. It's a new statute and ordinance. But more importantly, he took the bonus, the extra wealth they got. And what did he do? Did he build a bigger house? No. Did he buy a flashier car to impress his neighbors? Uriah the Hittite? No. What did he do? He gave it away to his future. He took the extra and he sowed it. And where did he sow it? With the elders of Judah. Who are the elders of Judah? The people who will make him king in the next book. David is way ahead. There's a saying in life. There's people that can see what's in front of them, people that see what's ahead, and some people see around the corner. But some people, they're lapping you. David is lapping people right here. He's putting out the brush fire with his employees. This is a new policy. And then he's taking all this extra wealth. They're like, hey, let's split up the booty like a bunch of pirates and pirates of the Caribbean. He's like, no. We're going to send this wealth to a dozen villages that have supported us while we've been running from Saul. When you become the king of Judah, where do you begin and how does it begin? One step at a time. Be that king. Carry yourself like a king. Like it says in Proverbs, hey, my son, don't drink long on the wine and go after the adulterous woman. Carry yourself like a king. Be the king. I mentioned to Hannah, we were just joking my daughter Hannah a few months ago. I go, hey, you know they say dress for success. She goes, no, dress for the job, not for the job you have, but the job that you want to have. Be the king. Start acting like a king. Start acting like a queen. Be that person. Do you say, I won the lottery, ah, and spend it all on a bunch of stupid things. Whatever it is, spiritual or practical. David saw the future, and he came into extra economic wealth, and he immediately sowed it in the future. Invest in your future, WG. Support the body of Christ so bountifully in missions, so bountifully in whatever it is that makes you a better you, that makes you more skillful at what you're doing. Or as Luke Caldwell told me three years ago, hey, you have 24 hours a day. Get smarter, get better. Get your hustle on. You can YouTube anything. Invest in your future. With the extra time, invest in your future. Invest in you to to be a better you for the kingdom of God and what God wants to do with you. If you have a surplus, use it wisely for the kingdom, for your family and the people you love. Don't be caught off guard on a dark day and have nothing for the dark day. The Bible tells us go to the ant and learn from them. They work hard and they have something for when there's nothing. David is sowing to the future right here. You could miss this, but this we don't miss. A great policy and procedure for his company. Hey, everybody's in this. We're all one team. We share in the profits. But the extra stuff, we're going to reinvest it. We're going to put it to work for our future. Because these elders of Judah... In the next book, they're going to come down and they're going to ask me to be the king, not of Israel, but of Judah. And you got to start somewhere. In fact, Jesus told the story in the Gospel of Luke. Chapter 16, he told the story of the shrewd servant who had been unfaithful and the master said, hey, it's time to give an account. So what he did is he went and settled accounts with everybody. Oh, you owe my master 100? Let's settle for 75. You owe, you owe him 100? Let's 40 or 80? Let's settle for 40. He went out and Jesus commended that person because he had foresight to be prepared for the future. And Jesus said, the sons of the earth are more shrewd than those of the kingdom. In fact, the context, he says, you can learn something from people like that. 
Don't be lazy in the name of Jesus with your time, your energy, and your resources. Because we're coming from victory, going to victory, and ours is eternal. And everything we do should be eternal. And we don't want to dumb down the good things of the kingdom. And we need to see the future. David, let the past go. That door closed. It's closed. It's forever closed. You're not a chief, one of the chief guardians for a Philistine lord. David dealt with what he had to deal with in the moment. You got to deal with this. You got to take it on and get after it. And then when it was all said and done, he made sure everyone got was rightfully theirs. He sowed bountifully in people. And then he sowed to the future, the future of his destiny with the King Jesus, our King, our Lord and Savior, who would say to him later, I'm building you an everlasting kingdom. Isn't that amazing? It's past, present, and future. Forgive what's behind. We press on what lies ahead. It's up to the call of God in Christ Jesus. You've been listening to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Baran. If you would like more information about the ministry of Worship Generation, visit us online at www.worshipgeneration.com where you can listen to the podcast of today's entire message. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and our church YouTube channel. Worship Generation is located at 10350 Ellis Avenue in Fountain Valley, California. Our service times are Saturday evenings at 6 p.m. and Tuesdays at 7 p.m. For more information about Pastor Joey personally, you can follow him on his Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube channel. Thanks for listening, and God bless.